So good morning, guys. So we're in this series called I Believe, and uh, it's good to be back. I was out last week. Eugene filled in, did a great job talking about why the crucifixion and the resurrection are so important to our faith. Um, Jenny and I got away, went on a trip actually up to Maine uh, to celebrate her birthday and our anniversary. Our anniversary was yesterday, um, actually, and we've been married 28 years, so that's pretty cool. Um, so, man, it's, um, it's flown by. Uh, it's been good. Um, so, a lot to be thankful for. And I'm thankful to be back today um, to be able to share this message on the Holy Spirit. Um, obviously, one single message on the Holy Spirit. We're not going to be able to cover everything we need to know about the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, it, that's, uh, we could take years and years digging into this and not, not really cover everything. So, uh, but we do want to start talking about theology. And that's really the whole reason we're doing this series. Um, you may be asking, why uh, are we doing a study like this, studying something like the Apostles' Creed? Because we're not a creedal-type church. We're, we don't recite the creed every week. We're not Catholic, obviously. We're very much evangelical, um, Protestant. So why are we doing this study on the Apostles' Creed? Here's why. We need to know what we believe. And we need to know why we believe it. There are essentials of the faith that we all need to know. And so when you come to church, you need more than like five steps to a happy life. You need more of a sermon than that. You need to know what God's Word says and how it applies to your life and how we can share that truth with others. And that's what theology is. Um, When most people hear the term theology, they think it's something that's just for academics or something for pastors. But at its heart, theology has to do with the answers that we as Christians give to questions that people have about God and about things that are related to God. And so when people ask you about God or your faith or who Jesus is, what we answer with is our theology, and that's why it matters. And if our theology is wrong then our outward beliefs, our outward actions are going to be wrong as well. So we've got, this is like uh, getting back to the basics, right? Uh, Have you ever heard of the story of John Wooden, the famous basketball coach out at uh, UCLA, won many national championships on the first day of practice? He would actually teach his players how to put on their socks and how to tie their shoes. They're like, "We're, we're like here, we're all Americans learning how to play basketball. I mean, but he's like, no. We've got to start with the basics each and every year to make sure that we're all on the same page. You don't want uh, getting a blister ruining your season or your shoes coming untied at the end of a game, you know, at the game winning left. You've got to get the basics down if you want to, uh, to be successful. And the same thing is true for us as Christians. Sometimes we jump ahead and we forget the basics. We forget the theology behind what we believe. Uh, so this, first, this Wednesday coming up, um, we have our first Wednesday service. Uh, I talked about this a while back, but uh, the first Wednesday of each month throughout the summer, we're going to meet, uh, and we're going to talk about theology. That's kind of going to be our, to- our topic. Um, there's going to be a chance for you to kind of take it beyond what we do on Wednesday nights and watch some videos in between and, and learn, but we'll explain all that. It's, uh, we're going to meet at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. We've got child care available as well for that. Um, but I encourage you to come out, take part in that. 
Um, and, and we're going to just like we're going to talk about what is theology this this Wednesday night. So that's kind of your your introduction, I guess, so to speak, to to what we're doing throughout the summer. Um, and I really encourage you to do that. So, in essence, what we're doing, we're learning to explain what we believe to others. Um, the early church had these statements of belief that they were recited together. And they did this at the, time, at the moment they were baptized. They would recite this. Uh, they used it to defend against uh, heresies in the early church. And there's so many. If you ever study the early church in the first few centuries, there are a lot of heresies. A lot of people that would come up and say, Jesus didn't really exist physically. He was just a spirit being. Uh, or people would say, well, uh, God the Father and God the Son were separate. And uh, there, or Jesus was created by God, but he was not God. Or uh, you had, well, God the Father is, uh, can change modes from God the Father to God the Son to God the Spirit, but he's not the same all the time. And there's all these different heresies that came up. And so when they came up with the Apostles' Creed and later the Nicene Creed, these were used to, to really help show people what we believe and to, to kind of establish the essentials, the basics, the fundamentals, so that you knew uh, when you went to a church uh, that recited this that you, you, you could trust them. And the Apostles' Creed, if you haven't heard it, we've been saying it every week. I'll, I'll say it again. I don't have it on screen this morning, but it's just simply, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, which we talked about meant universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Um, we're going to zoom in today on the statement, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe it. What does that mean? Uh, what does that mean? Let's focus in on that. If you have the wrong beliefs about the Holy Spirit, um, it will lead you to a life, I think an ineffective life, a life without spiritual power, a life without understanding that God is with us, that God indwells us through the Holy Spirit. Um, and at the same time, like I mentioned, it's going to be crazy for me to say today that I'm going to give you a full explanation of the Holy Spirit. How do you describe something that's indescribable? Right? That, that's, um, that, that's really tough. Uh, Francis Chan, who's a pastor, said this. He said, I've heard the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit described like the three parts of an egg. Have you all heard that? The shell, the white stuff, and the yolk. I've heard people also say that God is like a three-leaf clover. Three arms, yet all are part of the one clover stalk. Another popular comparison is the three forms of water, or H2O, water, ice, and steam. While these serve as cute metaphors for an unexplainable mystery, the fact is that God is not like an egg. He's not like a three-leaf clover or three forms of water. God is not like anything. He is incomprehensible, incomparable, and unlike any other being. He's outside our realm of existence and thus outside our ability to categorize him. While analogies may be helpful in understanding certain aspects of him, let's be careful not to think that our analogies in any way encapsulate his nature. 
And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? And we're just saying our God is three in one, right? That's the view of the Trinity. It's not that He is God the Father sometimes and God the Son sometimes and God the Holy Spirit. No, He is three in one, fully God all the time and always. Every aspect of the Godhead has full power of God. And so to, uh, it, just to, to think about that, it, it's mind-blowing. And we want to focus in on God the Holy Spirit today. The word spirit is a translation of the Hebrew word for breath or air or wind. And we need air we, just to breathe, right? Just to live. And I, I think that just shows how important the Holy Spirit is. Right? I mean, it's just our daily, you know, just part of our life, breathing in and out. The Holy Spirit is life-giving, life-sustaining. Uh, it's unpredictable. It, it's, it's uncontainable. The Holy Spirit is the giver of life. Uh, it's essential, it's, it's as, as essential as air to our physical life. Now, I mentioned a, a quote from Francis Chan a minute ago. He wrote a book, uh, it's over 10 years ago now, called Forgotten God. Uh, and it's about the Holy Spirit. And he just pretty much says, right... It, the, the Holy Spirit is the forgotten part of the Trinity. We talk about Jesus a lot. We talk about God a lot, but we really don't uh, have a good understanding of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to share several quotes from him today, and I encourage you to go back and read that book if you haven't read it, because it's good. Uh, it'll really help give you a better understanding of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but he said this, he said, From my perspective, the Holy Spirit is tragically neglected and for all practical purposes forgotten. While no evangelical would deny his, his existence, I'm willing to bet there are millions of church growers uh, across America who cannot confidently say they have experienced his presence or action in their lives over the past year. And many of them do not believe they can. The benchmark of success in church services has become more about attendance than the movement of the Holy Spirit. The entertainment model of the church that was largely adopted in the 80s and 90s, and while it alleviated some of the boredom for a couple of hours a week, it filled our churches with self-focused consumers rather than self-sacrificing servants attuned to the Holy Spirit. That's pretty convicting, right? I mean, that, that, he's, I'm, and I'll tell you, that whole book, it'll step on your toes a little bit. Francis, if you've ever read anything about Francis Chan, uh, you know that he, he's not afraid to, to call out uh, kind of the way we even do church sometimes. But I, I have to agree with him that uh, if you took the Holy Spirit out of the church in many churches, you wouldn't know the difference. You, you wouldn't see the difference because things would keep running just as, because they're based on human effort. They're based on human systems. They're not really reliant on or dependent upon God. And that should scare us to death. That, that, should, like, that should make us just, uh, it should upset us that we can do life without being attuned to the power of the Holy Spirit. And let me just say, if, if you take your time and read through the book of Acts, read through the stories of the early church, kind of take it and, and, and try to read it with a fresh mindset, not based on, uh, what you've learned or been taught or grown up. Just read the New Testament. Read the accounts of the early church. And I think that you would come away from that just saying, man, 
how could we do church apart? How could we do life apart from the Holy Spirit? I think as you read through it, you would say that the Holy Spirit is essential to living our everyday life. And again, I just have to say, we get so we get so impressed with our own ability to solve problems that we think we can handle everything, and we don't even spend time seeking the Holy Spirit's guidance. Um, Francis Chan also said there's a big gap between what we read in Scripture about the Holy Spirit and how most believers and churches operate today. And, and I would agree. Let's dig in. So here's the first thing I want to focus in. Uh, focus on this morning here's the the holy spirit is more than a feeling it is a person okay if you're my age or older you're probably singing a song in your head right now if you're younger you have probably no idea what we're talking about but uh it's more than a feeling okay it's more than a feeling it is it, a person and, and and again i think we get this mistaken idea that the Holy Spirit is just goosebumps and a good feeling, and that's all the Holy Spirit is. Go to a good church, say, ooh, man, I felt the Holy Spirit this morning. No, you felt goosebumps because the air conditioner kicked in. I mean, honestly, I mean, have we turned that into the, 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 the level of the Holy Spirit moving in our life that I got goosebumps singing a song? It is so much more than that. And so most people have knowledge of the Holy Spirit, but they would struggle to say how they are, are experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. And, and so let me just ask you, do you really know the Holy Spirit? Do you understand Him? Or does the Spirit remain this vague concept, this force that surrounds us that you don't really understand or comprehend? And so what comes to mind when you think about the Holy Spirit? Power, strength, or mystery? That The Holy Spirit is those things, but it's far beyond that. He is a person. In other words, rather than saying the Holy Spirit is power, uh, we can say that He has power. He does powerful things in a very personal way. Uh, unfortunately, I think most people think of the Holy Spirit as something similar to the Force from Star Wars. Okay? Are, are any of y'all fans of Star Wars here? Um, I looked up the definition of the force from the official Star Wars website, okay? And this is not including any of that midi-chlorian nonsense from the prequels. If you're into Star Wars, you know what I'm talking about. They kind of messed up the whole idea of the force in that. But this is how they define the force. The force is a mysterious energy field created by life that binds the galaxy together. Harnessing the power of the force gives the Jedi... Uh, and, and the, the Sith and the other sensitive to the spiritual energy, extraordinary abilities such as levitating objects or tricking minds and, and seeing things before they happen. While the Force can grant, powers, uh, grant, grant users powerful abilities, it also directs their actions. And it has a will of its own which both scholars and mystics have spent millennia seeking to understand. Now what I just described is sci-fi fantasy from the mind of George Lucas. But it describes how most people view the Holy Spirit. It's this spiritual thing that's all around us. And if we just tap into this and it's become part of it, then we can do extraordinary things. And it misses the point that the Holy Spirit is a person. It, it, the Holy Spirit is a person. And, and so uh, let's look at 2 Corinthians 3. It says, For the Lord is spirit. 
And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed, uh, a reference back to Moses when he could see the glory of God, we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. And so you see here already that the person, the Holy Spirit, He is working in us to transform us to be more like Jesus. Uh, right? We, we see that very clearly. That the Holy Spirit is more than a feeling. It's a person. And so the Bible provides us many ways to help us understand that the Holy Spirit is truly a person. And uh, first, every pronoun used in reference to the Spirit is He. It's not it. So when you refer to the Holy Spirit, it's not it. It's He. Right? It's, it's actually got a, it's a person. The, the original Greek language of the New Testament is explicit in talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. Um, how else do we know that the Holy Spirit is a person? One, He was personally involved in creation. Right? He empowers God's people. He guides us. He comforts us. He convicts us. He teaches us. Uh, each of these things require the involvement of a person rather than a mere abstract force. That's outside of us. The Holy Spirit, uh, His attributes also per- point to His personality. In Romans 8, 2 it says, And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So it gives us life. The Holy Spirit also has the same attributes of God because the Holy Spirit is God. He is eternal. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. Uh, a mere force couldn't have all of these attributes, but the Holy Spirit does. Um, and so the Bible is clear about the very personal nature of the Holy Spirit. We see the Spirit displaying the characteristics of personhood. He has intellect, emotion, and will throughout Scripture. First uh, uh, Corinthians 2 says this. It says, This is what the Scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for, the lo- for those who love Him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Uh, last November, um, I did a whole sermon series about our trip to Israel uh, called Walking with God. And one of the messages we talked about uh, the Mount of Olives and Jesus' ascension and the Holy, receiving the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and uh, all that. Um, and I did a whole message on the Holy Spirit during that. And, and in, the, in that message, I mentioned a book by J.D. Greer. Um, and he had a quote in that book. Um, it was a powerful quote. He said, the spirit inside of us is better than the Jesus beside us. And, and that quote uh, still blows me away. Because Jesus, in essence, what he told his disciples, is better that I go away It is better that you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is better than me being right beside you. Now, I think, honestly, if we had to choose, like, if Jesus could be right beside of us, or we could have the Holy Spirit, most of us would say, I want Jesus. I want something I can feel, I can touch, I can see. I want something tangible that I can grab hold of. Right? And yet Jesus told his disciples, you know, it's better that I go away. Let me read that to you. It's in John chapter 16. He says, But now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, 
the advocate won't come. Um, If I do go away, then I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. It's better that I go and that you receive the Holy Spirit. Now, in Acts, he says, right, uh, that he, he tells them to go and wait and that the, the Spirit will... And they'll be empowered by the Spirit. Um, and then they'll be witnesses. And at, at Pentecost, we see that the, uh, the whole, they receive the Holy Spirit and it changes the disciples forever. From then on, they're bold in what they do and what they say. Francis Chan said this. He said, take a moment and ask yourself this question. When was the last time I undeniably saw the Spirit at work in or around me? Dwell on that for a minute. Think about it. When was the last time you really experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? If you're having trouble recounting a time when the the Spirit was at work in or around you, perhaps that is because you have been ignoring the Spirit. Perhaps it is because you have a lot of head knowledge about the Spirit, but not so much of a relationship with Him. The reality is that the early church knew less about the Holy Spirit than most of us in the church today at least in an intellectual sense. But they came to know the Spirit intimately and powerfully as He worked in and through their lives. And throughout the New Testament, we read of the apostles whose lives were led by the Spirit and lived out by His power. That brings me to my second point this morning. The the Holy Spirit, it is God living inside of us and transforming us. So, so many of you probably heard this as you're growing up, or, or maybe you've even said it. Uh, the, you, you've said the phrase that Jesus is in your heart, right? Have you all, you all heard that and said that? And, and that's, that's a way we explain how we make Jesus the Lord and Savior of our life, how we, uh, how we trust in Him, that, oh, well, just make, let Jesus come into your heart. Well, the truth is, right, that phrase is a little misleading because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and who is in your heart? The God, the Holy Spirit. All right, that's who indwells us. It is the Spirit living inside of us. And when we are born again, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who comes into us. And every single believer has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. Do you believe that? That you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. In Acts, after Jesus had been resurrected and Uh, ascended into heaven, Peter addressed a crowd and declared in Acts 2.38, he said, Each one of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so here we see that that we receive the Holy Spirit when we begin to follow Jesus. If you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit. Why do I say that? I've heard it taught, I've seen it taught, I've heard people say this, 
that you receive the Holy Spirit separately from salvation. And I would just say, I don't see that in Scripture. I see this, when you are saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. Now there are times in our life when we experience more of the Spirit. Because we are more attuned to the Spirit. There are times in our life where we may uh, be able to be filled with the Spirit to do extraordinary things, but it doesn't mean we didn't have it to begin with. Does that make sense? When you are saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. It's not like it's just for a select few people in the church and then everybody else has to do life on their own. That's ridiculous. Every single one of us have the Holy Spirit. Uh, Romans 8 9 says that you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, in parentheses here, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. So if you belong to God, you have the Holy Spirit. You need to know that to understand that you can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. That the Holy Spirit indwells you. According to that verse, if I'm a believer, the Spirit of God lives in me. The Spirit of God is transforming me. I don't have to do it myself. 1 Corinthians 6, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. In the Old Testament, where did God's Spirit reside? In the temple. Uh, the people would go and, uh, and the, the high priest would enter in and, and that's when they would experience God's presence. But in the New Testament, everything changed. Now, our body is the temple where the Holy Spirit resides. It changes everything. Now, instead of going to seek and find God, God has found us. Right? He is in us. He convicts us of sin. He reveals truth. He empowers us. Uh, we've got these little... Um, um, tracks that we have over at the information desk. And these are really good if you uh, ever want to use one to, to share your faith with someone. And it's got this phrase, and I think I've read it before, but it's been a long time. But it says, the moment you trust Jesus Christ, you become a child of God, and His Spirit begins to live inside of you. You, you have become part of His story, and the more you grow uh, in your relationship with God, the more of His story you will begin to see and understand in your life. All of your sin, past, present, and future, right, is forgiven. And you now find total acceptance before Him. When you begin this relationship, Jesus promises to be with you through all the ups and downs and in the joys and difficulties of this life. He loves you with an everlasting, unchanging love. And not only has He promised eternal life, but He came so that you could experience purpose, fulfillment, and freedom in this life. That's good. Right? I mean, that, that's when you put your trust in Jesus, you become a child of God. You receive His Spirit. And that kind of leads me to my last point this morning. If we say we believe in the Holy Spirit, then we should live like it. Do you really believe in the Holy and then all I can say, why aren't we living like it? If you are a believer, then it's not a question if you have the Holy Spirit. The question is, are you filled with it? In other words, are you allowing the Spirit to control and to lead you? Are you listening to the Spirit and following in obedience? I kind of read, I started this passage, but let me keep going in Romans 8. 
Uh, it says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. But let's keep going. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Just stop and think about that for a moment. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The same Spirit that was inside of the, 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 uh, the apostles uh, in the early church is in you. How did they live their life? They lived it with boldness. They, they did miracles. You see them doing incredible things for the glory of God. And that is the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit's not changed. The Holy Spirit's not changed, but have we? I, I think that's the question for me, right? We don't really believe that that same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And because if we did... We wouldn't be walking around all worried about everything. Like we've got to fix every problem and solve everything in our world today. If you really believe that the Holy Spirit is inside of you, then why don't you let Him lead? Why don't you trust Him? Why don't you just like turn your life over to Him? Why do we think that the world is beyond hope? Has the Holy Spirit lost its power? I mean, think about that. I mean, we live as if the Holy Spirit doesn't exist. And it's all up to us. And, and I'm just going to tell you, it, it's so freeing to realize that the Holy Spirit is inside of us. And all I have to do is listen to Him. And He's going to direct my path. It's not up to me to make every decision. It's not up to me to solve every problem. I just have to be so close to God, listen to Him, and let Him guide me. That takes a huge burden off of you. And I see so many people carrying a burden that they don't have to carry anymore. Francis Chan said this. He says, for some reason, we don't think we need the Holy Spirit. We don't expect the Spirit to act. Or if we do, our expectations are, are often misguided or self-serving. Given our talent set, our experience, our education, many of us are fairly capable of living rather successfully according to the world's standards without any strength from the Holy Spirit. Even our church growth can happen without Him. Let's be honest. If you combine a charismatic speaker, a talented worship band, and some hip, creative events, people will attend your church. Yet this does not mean that the Holy Spirit of God is actively working and moving in the lives of His people who are coming. It simply means you have created a space that is appealing enough to draw people in for an hour or two on Sunday. Now, I don't know about you, but I would rather have a church that is full of the Holy Spirit. And, and I'm not talking, again, about emotional uh, a feeling. I'm talking about truly a spirit that is guiding and leading and empowering and transforming us. That is what God is doing inside of us. That's what I want to be a part of. That's what I want to see happen in my life. And I pray that's what you want to see in your, your, yours. Our goal here at Cornerstone is to work together to make disciples of Jesus who are transforming their world. And the only way that is going to happen is if we let the Holy Spirit empower us and transform us first. 
Galatians 5 says this, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. In other words, we're letting the Holy Spirit control us and guide us. Not a checklist of what we can do and cannot do, right? It's the Holy Spirit saying, okay, this is what you do. And the Holy Spirit speaks in, in conjunction with His Word. Uh, Galatians 5, 22. Um, we keep going in this passage. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Why? Because He's transforming us. It produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross um, and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Some other translations say, let us, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us keep in step. Let, let's walk with the Spirit. Let's follow the Spirit's leading. Let's stay attuned to the Holy Spirit. Let's, let Him guide us into all truth. That's what the Christian life looks like. I think there's times that we tell the Holy Spirit what we want to do instead of asking Him what He wants us to do. Uh, J.I. Packer wrote in a book, So when I say as a Christian, I believe in the Holy Spirit, my meaning should be first that I believe uh, personal fellowship across space and time with the living Christ of the New Testament. It, it's a reality, which through the Spirit I found. Uh, and then he said, second, I, that I'm open to being led by the Spirit who now indwells me into knowledge, obedience, and service. And I expect to be so led each day. And third, that I bless Him as the author of my assurance that I, that I am a son and an heir of God. Truly. It's a glorious thing to believe in the Spirit. And so he even brings up a third thing, a third work of the Holy Spirit, that he assures us. He, he lets us know that we are, in fact, a believer. And so if you're walking around every day like, I don't know if I'm saved or not saved, or I get baptized, not baptized, baptized, not baptized, uh, I've sinned, fall away. I'm, I'm t the Holy Spirit is what gives you assurance and you can know right, that you are saved. You don't have to walk around wondering and questioning and doubting. You can walk around in confidence knowing that the Holy Spirit has given me, has sealed me, has kept me, has assured me that I'm saved. Uh, Francis Chan says this. He says, without the Holy Spirit, people operate in their own strength and only accomplish human-sized results. The world is not moved by love or actions that are, that are of human creation. The church is not empowered to live differently from any other gathering of people without the Holy Spirit. But when believers live in the power of the Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. The church cannot help but be different, and the world cannot help but notice. And so let me just say, do you know the Holy Spirit? Do you experience the Holy Spirit? Are you living by the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you letting the Holy Spirit guide you? Um, and, and maybe today some of you just need to, to, to kind of say, okay, I've been leading my own life. Now it's time to trust God to lead it. Maybe now it's time to, to instead of trying to do everything in my own power, that I start trusting in a power that is so much greater than I have. Maybe it's time to say, I'm going to trust you, Jesus. I, I, I want to follow you. 
I want to be empowered by your Spirit. I want to live in your Spirit. I want, I want these fruits of the Spirit to come out of my life. I want to be more patient and peaceful and kind and gentle. I, I want to be more like Jesus. And so I think that's our challenge this morning. Do you want to, uh, do you want to be more like Jesus? Let, let's pray today and, and spend some time talking to God. Heavenly Father, we just come to you in prayer knowing how much we truly do need the Holy Spirit. And your word tells us that if, if we're saved, then we have the Holy Spirit. If we belong to you, then you have sent your, your Spirit to live inside of us. And so, Lord, help us to, to, to realize that. Help us to start trusting you. Help us to be more bold just in telling others about Jesus. Help us to know that the Holy Spirit is inside of us. Lord, I pray for people today that are here that are worn down and tired and burdened and frustrated. I, I pray that they would be able to, to just trust you more, to walk with you more closely, uh, to be able to experience your peace, your presence, and your power, which all come from the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that for each person listening online or each person in this room today, they would be able to say that I, I confess Jesus as Lord. I believe in my heart that God, you raised him from the dead and I want to be saved. I, I trust you. I trust you. I, I want to receive the Holy Spirit. I, I want to know the Holy Spirit. I want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I just trust you today. If that's your prayer, I want you to know Jesus heard it. He answered it. And he has saved you. Lord, I just thank you for your spirit. I just thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray.